Said I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, wow, you know, every day another uh, set of strange events. And uh, there's just so much that we could talk about right now. I have like five different angles I can go to. One is uh, I want to be covering um, a lot about Ukraine and uh, this week, and uh, may not get to it today, because we have also the fireworks and dynamics associated with Matt Gates vacating the Speaker uh, of the House, McCarthy. We want to wrestle with that, and we also want to talk about President Trump and his court appearance yesterday. And so... We're going to start right off with President Trump's commentary uh, before he walked into the uh, before he walked in to the uh, courtroom, and then it turns out that eighty percent of the case was thrown out because it was outside of the statute of limitations. The judge sit, sitting there smiling. Uh, posing for the camera. Letitia James, you know, should be ashamed of herself for being such a racist and a political hack. Um, New York is going to hell in a handbasket. All of these politicians on the radical left are now flip-flopping on sanctuary cities. Crime is permeating through the streets. We have populations being moved all over the world. Uh, there was a video of these people coming in and say, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? And they said, Chicago, Denver, Arizona, Dallas. And the thing is, is that uh, this is all about, this is all about what we, we played a clip uh, with Sam Kinison. Uh, instead of sending aid to Africa, we're moving Africa to Western developed nations 
that's only going to tear down the Western developed nations and make them cesspools of corruption. You can't have that kind of social engineering or that overnight resolution to a problem that's been uh, evolving and and developing for centuries. Uh, and why should we be the ones to foot the bill for all of this? You take, for example, the aid to Ukraine. Well, the aid to Ukraine, it turns out, the aid to Ukraine is a situation where we're giving aid to Ukraine and then the people giving the aid also hold the strings to the aid, which means that the consulting firms that are rising up, the so-called think tanks among liberal elites and academics from all kinds of different groups are, you know, whether it's the... West uh, West Exec Group or the uh, Albright Group, you know, Albright Stonebridge Group or the West Exec Group. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with respect to these groups getting the money. Where are they getting their money to pay for all these think tankers, right? Where are they getting the money? Have you ever heard of circular reporting? That's when someone like Christopher Steele comes out with a dossier that then talks with David Korn from Mother Jones and Michael Isakoff from Yahoo News. And they take that news and they go on and they write a book about it. They go on the news. They go on NBC and CNN because the CIA operatives and the intelligence operatives and the State Department operatives basically tell the media companies who they should listen to, who they should put on, and who is totally legit and who is totally carrying the, uh, the narrative that the deep state wants you to believe. And so David Korn and Michael Isakoff get on CNN and MSNBC, and they tell the tale that was woven by someone like Christopher Steele. And they write article after article after article, and then someone like Hillary Clinton steps up and says, well, it's been reported in Politico and, and Politico reported in the New York Times and Reuters and, and Associated Press and Washington Post reported that this was true, said sources. And... It's circular reporting because the one source is, you know, I've originated some ideas on this show. And then next thing you know, I go on Twitter and I start to see this new idea that I thought of being perpetrated or perpetuated by somebody else. And I'm like, huh, I wonder where they got that idea. So then I'm going to report on them because they're bigger and more legitimate than I am. But they got the idea from me, and I'm like, hey, say this person said that, so it must be true. Well, it originated from me. I mean, that's happened. That's literally happened. I've seen it with my own two eyes. And and the point is, is, is that this circular reporting 
has about, what, two sources? It's not 17 intelligence agencies or 51 CIA agents or 97% of the climate uh, scientists couldn't possibly be wrong. They're getting their data set from the same source. Naturally, they're going to come up with the same conclusion. My goodness. So we give the money to Ukraine in the name of liquid natural natu- nat- natural gas and all kinds of other, other things that are really happening as a result of Ukraine and the, you know, the climate initiative and censorship. And all these things are in play by the globalists, financed by BlackRock-owned companies, perpetrated by the world leaders of tomorrow, groomed by the World Economic Forum of today, And that's exactly what's happening, folks. These are all sheep getting paid handsomely to perpetrate a lie. And these moronic academics that jump through hoops and get awards, like the Nobel Peace Prize Award for mRNA research, the guy is on video saying, Uh, One of my mentors who taught me how to do research was Dr. Fauci. You know, the same Dr. Fauci that financed gain-of-function research in a lab in Wuhan and then decided that it was from natural causes and not a lab leak. And so he got the guy he gave the money to to finance the gain-of-function, Echo Alliance, and... Put them in charge of the uh, the investigation. It's sort of like Merrick Garland talking about recently two stand one standard of justice, the rule of law, one rule. We don't look at political politics, and we don't look at at socioeconomics. We only look at one rule, and that's the rule of law. Easy to say, hard to do. Apparently, if you're a libtard, <laughs> right? But it's circular reporting. So we're giving the money to Ukraine. And then Ukraine, uh, the people that are giving the money to Ukraine, the people that are really holding the strings, whether it's Victoria Newland or Anthony Blinken, they all have ties to West Exec and Albright Stonebridge and all these other organizations. And they're basically putting it out there. And then they're saying, we want you to, you know, we want these people to to consult with you on how you should distribute this money and how you should spend it. Otherwise, we're not going to give you any more money. How do you like those apples? Same thing was done with Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, who was managing the digital currencies that were do- digital donations that were going to Ukraine. And the money would go to Ukraine, and then it would end up in the hands of Sam Bankman-Fried, who met secretly, met secretly with Mitch McConnell. Huh? And Mitch McConnell would use that money to finance super PACs that were basically going against America First MAGA candidates. That's why Mitch McConnell 
financed uh, Lisa Murkowski up in Alaska against the MAGA Republican instead of spending money against Katie Hobbs on behalf of Carrie Lake or Blake against Edwards um, against uh, Kelly, I think it was, that he was running against the Democrat. So Mitch McConnell is, of course, no no better than Carl Rove and his play against Ken Paxton in Texas or um, how he promoted Shapiro in order to get at Fetterman somehow. And none of it worked out. But it was Carl Rove, Paul Ryan, money. Their super PACs that were financed by Sam Bankman-Fried and Mitch McConnell. And I would probably even say Kevin McCarthy's been playing these games too. Which brings us to the whole world of this conflict with Matt Gates and and Kevin McCarthy. But before we get there, we're going to get into the Donald Trump thing here. But again, this whole Ukraine thing, they're being told by the left how to spend and distribute their money. The money is finding its way back to D.C. consulting firms, think tanks. So we're giving the money to Ukraine, and then Ukraine is giving the money back. It's sort of like Planned Parenthood. Remember when we used to give $500 million to Planned Parenthood? And then they would turn around and donate to every Democrat candidate. But the the tax dollars that were given to them were coming out of the conservatives' pocket. So the conservatives were literally paying for the opposition to go against them, rig elections, start pandemics, issue mandates, declare emergency powers, and violate your civil liberties. So the conservatives who hate all that stuff we're actually financing it because they didn't have a choice. Because if they didn't either put the mask on, take the jab, they would either lose their job or end up in a jail cell. If you complain about election fraud, you're in sitting in jail right now in D.C. In the gulags. This is the world we're living in, in the United States. And somehow they want us to support them. I don't know. I can't remember the last time Putin actually tried to censor me. Do you? But I do I do remember when Justin Trudeau ran his horses over the faces of the Ottawa truckers. I remember when the Biden administration and his Department of Justice locked up people who complained about election fraud and threw away the key. And I see with my own two eyes what's happening to Donald Trump. Yeah, he is a martyr. But this money that's going to Ukraine is finding its way back into the Beltway, into D.C., into the so-called think tanks. These people can't think without a freaking dollar, right? They can't think without that money. They get paid so much money to think, and they're not that smart. They think they're smart. They got the education for it being smart, but that does not make them right. Just because they know their history, just because they have their facts, does not make their analysis correct. 
There were plenty of overeducated, smart people that got us into senseless wars that were a huge mistake, and history has proven that. And we're living through a time that's no different. In a lot of ways, we're living in the Stone Ages. Just in the last 24 hours, some audio clips came out about Joe Biden on 60 Minutes giving an interview talking about the Gutenberg Press and talking about censorship and how important it is to censor disinformation. One man's disinformation is another man's information. And the people in charge of the disinformation have been lying to you for as long as I could remember. And they're lying to you about everything. The world is a worse place right now because the globalists have taken over. So we are going to get into this Trump thing, but I'm telling you, the money that's going into Ukraine is coming back to Washington by way of consultants from something like the Albright Stonebridge Group, uh, the West Exec. Um, You can get into a whole bunch of different groups, all kinds of different think tanks in Washington, D.C. But these were groups started and operated by plenty of folk in the State Department. You know, working groups. They're basically circulating the money to fulfill agendas. And the majority of the money is being paid for by the conservative taxpayer. And that is the crime of the century. Right here. Right here. She used this to run for governor. She failed in her attempt to run for governor. She had virtually no polling. She came back and she said, well, now I'll go back to get Trump again. And this is what we this have. This is before it's a Trump went into the courtroom. Just so you know, my financial statements are phenomenal. They are actually less in terms of the numbers used than the actual net worth. The actual net worth is substantially more. No bank was affected. No bank was hurt. They don't even know why they have to be involved. And they've so testified. They can't believe that they're involved because they were paid back on time. There were no defaults. There were no problems. And it was like a perfect client. In the meantime, people are being murdered all over the sidewalks of New York. There was no victim here. The banks were represented by the best, biggest, most prestigious law firms in the state of New York, actually in the country, some of the biggest and best law firms, in all cases, the biggest and best law firms, that's who represented them. The banks got back their money. Again, there was never a default. There was never a problem. Everything was perfect. There was no crime. The crime is against me because we have a corrupt district attorney, but we have a corrupt attorney general. And it all comes down from the DOJ. They're totally coordinated. It's in Washington because I'm leading. I'm the leading candidate. I'm leading Biden by 10 points. And I'm leading the Republicans by 50 and 60 points. That's pretty much, they say, over. I never accept that, but they say it's over. This has to do with election interference, plain and simple. They're trying to damage me so that I don't do as well as I'm doing in the election. Our country's gone to hell. We have a country that's in decline, serious decline. We have a man running our country who has no clue 
doesn't know what he's doing, and you know it better than anybody because you have to cover him. What they've done with open borders, what they've done with interest rates and taxes, it's a disgrace. So what we have here is an attempt to hurt me in an election. It's an attempt to hurt me in an election. This never happened before, where President of the United States leaves office and gets indicted. And the reason I got indicted was that I ran. If I didn't run, I'd be sitting right now at a beach like Biden does every time, even though he's supposed to be working. So very simply put, it's a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. We have a corrupt attorney general in the state. You see how she does. This trial was railroaded and fast-tracked. This trial could have been brought years ago, but they waited till I was right in the middle of my campaign. The same with other trials and indictments. It's all run by DOJ, which is corrupt in Washington. Everything goes through them. They're all corrupt people. Frankly, our country is corrupt. And that's one of the reasons I'm running. We're going to straighten it out. They have one property that's worth anywhere from 50 to 100 times what this judge put down as a value. Put down a value, $18 million. They're talking about Mar-a-Lago here. Mar-a-Lago has been estimated to be worth about $300 million. And the judge said that it was worth $18 million. If anything, Trump undervalued the property. But there is no crime. There is basically no victim. There was no victim. And the banks entered a deal, got paid. Trump was never late, made interest, made money, and they were all happy. There was no crime. If you estimate the property value of your house $1 higher than the buyer thinks it should be, they could take you to court and sue you. And in this case, they want to sue Trump for $250 million. And the property's probably worth, could be anywhere from 50 to 100 times more than that. And a lot of those numbers could even be low. We have other properties, the same thing. So he devalued everything. I didn't even put in my best asset, which is the brand in terms of value. Coca-Cola, take a look at their value. They have a value. The value of their brand is more than everything else put together. My brand is extremely valuable. I didn't even use it in my financial statement. If I wanted to build up a financial statement, I would have built it up by using brand in addition to everything else. We have the greatest properties. We have among the greatest properties in the world, and I have to go through this for political reasons. This judge is a politician. He comes out of the clubs. He's running unopposed. The reason he's unopposed is because he's getting Trump. They always run opposed. He's getting Trump. The bosses say, don't run against this guy. He's doing great. He's getting Trump. But he overplayed his hand and he should be investigated for what he's done. What he did in undervaluing these properties is a disgrace to our nation. This shouldn't be a case. One other thing. We have a clause in the contract. This is important. Essentially, buyer beware. The contract is very, very If you take a look and you speak to the banks, and you will, I hope you speak to the banks, because the banks got paid in full. I hope you speak to the banks. But we have a clause in the contract. It's like a buyer beware clause. It says when you 
Take a look at the financial statement. Don't believe anything you read. This is up front. Don't believe anything you read. Some people call it a worthless clause because it makes the statement and anything you read in the statement worthless. It says go out and do your own research. Go out and do your own due diligence. You have to study the statement carefully. Do not believe anything. In fact, it's so strong that people read it and they don't even accept it. They don't even want it. They don't even use it. It's called a disclaimer clause. It's very common. If you put it in, if you don't have time to do statements, or even if you do have time, people like to have it. This is what's called a full disclaimer. We disclaim the financial statements. But even with a full disclaimer, which immediately takes you out of any fraud situation and any litigation. And by the way, when the attorney general found out about the disclaimer clause, she said, that's okay, let's go forward anyway. It's good publicity. These are corrupt people we're dealing with, the most corrupt people. We have a great company. I built a great company. It's got tremendous value. It's got some of the greatest real estate assets in the world. And now I have to go before a rogue judge as a continuation of Russia, 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 as a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. And I don't think the people of this country are going to stand for it. If I weren't leading in all the polls, or if I weren't running, I wouldn't have any of these cases. I wouldn't be seeing you this morning. But I'll be seeing a lot of you because this is a horrible thing that's happening to our country and we've got to get it straightened away. So we'll go in and see our rogue judge and we'll listen to this man. And uh, I think most people get it. People are getting it. I can tell you the voters getting it because every time they give me a fake indictment, I go up in the polls and that's never happened before. But this is a disgrace. And you ought to go after this attorney general because she's turning off everybody from coming in. You know, I don't know if you take a look at the outflow of business. Businesses are fleeing New York because of horrible, horrible attorney generals and judges like we have. They go to other places where they can be treated fairly and with respect. Thank you very much. Yep, that's true. Um it's going to be urban flight. People don't want to be where dumb people are in, in charge. Uh, and you couldn't get dumber leadership than what's in charge right now uh, in New York City. Eric Adams is a sh- just a disgrace. Even my liberal friends can't stand him. Uh, let's take a listen to this. But the court rejected Jonathan Turley. So I'm sorry. I've interrupted you so many times, but... I think we're seeing something that we frankly did not expect. There's a camera in that courtroom. Was that supposed to be, or would they just be simply ushered out when we're gaveled to order? Well, the, the, you're more likely to have cameras in state proceedings, and so it's up to the discretion of the uh, judge. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm not too sure that both parties would want this. Uh, I think that Trump views this. Uh, the optics of this is working to his advantage. Look, Absolutely. People looking at this live picture right now uh, will be either filled with rage or they will be thrilled. And- it's a great PR st- stunt. You couldn't ask for more of a bump in the polls. But um, 
Liz Harrington says, thank God President Trump is fighting back. The highly political Trump-hating judge just stated that expert testimony is not evidence. Well, that means that every trial in America history, American history, has to be thrown out and started all over again. <clears throat> I mean, they're doing everything they can to try to get to Trump. But let's take a listen to this world to communicate to the American people. Because at the end of the day, this isn't a real trial. This is a judge who's made up his mind. This is this is a show trial. Um, and we don't live right now in places like New York City, in a place where the, the rule of law truly controls here. And so Donald, uh, this judge decided to interject himself very purposefully into a presidential uh, debate, into a presidential campaign right now. And so President Trump recognizing that this is uh, this is really what they're doing is they're coming after him to try to keep him from getting elected president again. That's what this is all about. Um, I, I think he purposely and and very appropriately made his voice heard. And as we look at this this image of the judge, I've never seen anything more inappropriate in my life of, of this judge uh, being, you know, uh, smiling like the cat that got the canary here um, because he his political wish has come true. Uh, so far for this case. But this is a legally baseless order that he has already entered. We know what he's going to do after the fact. It's going to be more uh, legally baseless uh, arguments and and, uh, uh, decisions from this judge that I am confident that the end of the day will be reversed by uh, the courts of appeal. And what the previous guest said is simply not true about the fact that it doesn't matter if anybody relied um, in a criminal case on fraud. There's something called materiality. And so, first of all, I, I don't think there's any evidence at all that there were misstatements on these forms. But the fact that no bank is shown to have relied on those and that uh, everybody was paid back showed that anything that they could possibly rely on is not actually material. Um, it's not material because there's no damages. And in, in any court proceeding, um, whether it's personal injury or anything like that, you got to have, you got to have, um, you know, basically a fault. You got to find out who's at fault, uh, whether that fault caused an injury, and if the injury caused damage. And in and that's jurisprudence in just about every case. And in this case, there were no damages. There was no victim. There was no fault. Nothing bad happened. Everybody got paid on time and made money. And everybody's happy. And if they had it to do over again, they would choose to do it. So nobody committed any fouls. And because of the disclaimer, it doesn't even matter what the valuation was because the banks never relied on Trump's statement of what he thought the value of the property was. They relied on their own adjusters. That's just simple one-on-one stuff. Here is a clip, an audio clip. Listen carefully to this clip. This is the judge in 2015. It's kind of interesting. Now, I'm going to say something controversial, even though I'm being taped. Juries get it wrong a lot. That's my own opinion. I do only civil trials, personal injury cases, contract disputes. But I've had situations where like, oh my, my heaven's sake, how could they have thought that? 
Well, I have a um, I have a tool that I can deal with that. It's called jury notwithstanding the verdict, judgment notwithstanding the verdict. I can say there is no possible way that a reasonable jury would have reached that conclusion. And all right, am I following the law or am I making law? Okay, I'm I'm, I'm following law. I'm I'm an impartial referee, but it's hard to factor out my own emotions. Hard? And I have tools. Somebody can say, well, Your Honor, you have to throw out this case because it's just like another case. Well, is it just like another case? What if the defendant was wearing a red sweater instead of a blue sweater? Oh, and, and by the way, I worked for the Columbia Daily Spectator for a couple of weeks. What happened was I went there every day and I wrote a few stories. One I got criticized on because I wrote that some uh, Ku Klux Klaners had murdered some people and and I was told, you can't say that. How do we know? You weren't there. Well, that was what everybody thought. Yeah, we should have absolute immunity. What if we defame somebody? Um, That's how it usually comes up. You know, you call somebody a murderer or a heroin addict, that sort of thing, a pedophile. If it's done in court, yeah, I think we should. Well, this judge should be disbarred. I mean, he's putting his own emotions and stereotypes into his jurisprudence, into his judicial uh, decision-making. It's crazy. But all in all, at the end of the day, he didn't have a leg to stand on because of statute of limitations. 80% of the case has now been thrown out. This was the initial indictment, but take a listen to this. This is this is interesting. So Trump comes out a bit surprised, to say the least, um, on all this. Um, well, let's see. Let's take a listen to this. Well, I think that was very good. That last five minutes was outstanding because the judge essentially conceded that the statute of limitations that uh, we won at the Court of Appeals is in effect. Therefore, about 80% of the case is over. I was going to come out and say that, as you know, we're not entitled to a jury, which is pretty unusual in the United States of America. So uh, we think it's very unfair that I don't have a jury. But uh, the judge's last statement was very fair. And if I read it right, I'll let perhaps one of the lawyers speak to it. But Cliff, maybe you'll speak to it if you would. But uh, the way I interpret that and the way everyone else in the room seems to interpret that is that the statute of limitations uh, is a very real thing in this country. And that would be about 80% of this case would be over. Uh, could somebody speak to that, please? What, you want to talk about that? Sure. So based on the judge's comments, at, based on the judge's comments at the end of the hearing, at the end of the trial today, it would appear that he is agreeing that all transactions that closed prior to 2014 are now out of the case. Which is about 80% of the case. And it's also uh, something that we want on appeal, but was not accepted by this court, but now seems to be accepted by this court. Uh, As far as the jury is concerned, uh, it's much different now, I must tell you, than it was 20 minutes ago. We were going to come out and complain that, you know, in this country you're entitled to a jury. But we very much appreciate the judge's 
decision today or his statement today on statute of limitations, which is a So you heard date. the judge's comments on jury. Time period. And we did nothing wrong. And if you look at the statements, they showed that even in 2011, I guess the number was $258 million in cash, a uh, very strong company. I don't believe we really, maybe I wouldn't do a couple of deals or something, but I wouldn't have even needed to go to banks. Banks loved our business. They loved our deals. They weren't defrauded. They lost no money. They made money. They had the finest attorneys that there are. Frankly, their attorneys were better than my attorneys. And uh, they made a lot of money, and they considered me a very good client. I paid them back on time, on schedule. There was no default. They never even sent me a default letter. Not one. For years, never got a default letter. And there's no case here. There's no victim. The banks aren't a victim. The insurance companies are a victim. Everybody got paid. It's a terrible, terrible thing. This was for politics. Now, it has been very successful for them because they took me off the campaign trail. Because I've been sitting in a courthouse all day long instead of being in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, or a lot of other places I could be at. This is a horrible situation for our country. It's never happened before. It's election interference. They're interfering with the presidential election of 2024. And the people of our country see it. But this was a big, big, uh, I, I say surprise, but it was a great credit to the court that the judge was willing to do this. He sort of overruled himself. And I greatly respect that. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Are you back, back tomorrow? Yeah, that's nuts, man. I'll tell you what. Here we are. We're living in a banana republic. All right. So there's a bunch of other stuff I want to get to. Um, we got a couple of things we could touch on with regard to Ukraine. Uh, this is kind of interesting. I'm going to play this moron named Lindsey Graham just for a second. The biggest mistake we made since the war on terror is withdrawing from Afghanistan. To President Trump and anybody else, if <laughs> we pull dummy. the plug on Ukraine... That's 10 times worse than Afghanistan. There goes Taiwan. To stop funding Ukraine is a death sentence for Taiwan. Putin will keep going. Putin will keep going. He, this guy knows the future. It's like a regular Nostradamus, right? This guy is one of the dumbest people in Congress. Absolutely. And I bet you he has more money from the Ukraine efforts than Nan Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein combined turns out diane feinstein has like 30 million dollar house in tahoe a 30 million dollar house in or 20 million dollar house in san francisco and another 30 million dollar house in colorado and aspen or somewhere it's unbelievable how much money diane feinstein is leaving behind for her estate it's incredible i was looking at this report and i was like wow it must pay to be a, a, a congresswoman. I mean, the last time she was in, in, uh, in, in Congress, she had to be told to vote yay. She couldn't even spell her name. And yet, you know, she's making all this money. That's, that's incredible. Um, you know, on a, on a senator's salary, that's really, really incredible. But listen to this one about Mitch McConnell, who basically is, you know, a colleague of... Yeah, 
fan of the establishment elite, the Lisa Murkowski's and Diane Feinstein's and the John McCain's and the Lindsey Graham's of the world. Yes, some of them are deceased, but yet they 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 were senators all the way up until the end. They did not want to relinquish power. They were drunk on power. In any case, listen to this. This is just a part of the clip. And he saw Trump trying to undermine the democracy, and he thought Trump is, is... He's talking about Sam Bankman-Fried saw Trump as an existential threat to the globalist movement. That was Sam Bankman-Fried who got off on the FTX deal. And no one else would have ever gotten free on that. They would have spent the next 15, 20 years in jail. Not Sam Bankman-Fried. But check this out. About This is, has to do with Zelensky superfan McConnell. Mitch Zelensky superfan McConnell secretly met with disgraced FDX founder Sam Bankman-Fried in order to pour millions into McConnell-controlled super PACs and elect anti-Trump Republicans, according to Arthur Michael Lewis. Bankman-Fried ended up giving many millions in support of Republican candidates and ranked among Joe Biden's biggest donors. Judas uh, Iscariot are hiding inside the GOP and Democrat mega donors are all too happy to finance it. Welcome to Washington, D.C. Belongs on the list of existential risks. Why is the to that end, Lewis writes that in 2022, Bankman-Fried met with the most unlikely of allies, Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. <clears throat> According to Lewis, Bankman-Fried wanted to help McConnell fund Republican candidates at odds with Donald Trump. What is the subtext of this dinner is Sam is going to write tens of millions of dollars a check to a super PAC that Mitch McConnell is then going to use to get elected people who are not hostile to democracy. Wait, so Mitch McConnell has a list of Republican candidates who are sort of on the playing field for democracy versus what he deemed outside. He and his people had done the work to distinguish between actual deep Trumpers and people who were just seeming to, to approve of Donald Trump but were actually willing to govern. Bankman-Fried ended up giving multi-millions in support of Republican candidates. Back in 2020, Bankman-Fried had ranked among Joe Biden's biggest donors. As 2024 approached, he planned on spending more, albeit in the most unconventional way. That's 60 Minutes. (laughs) So people watching 60 Minutes, you know, the liberals that do that, are getting a dose of this. All right, we have a lot of other stuff that's going to be really interesting uh, to, uh, that we're probably going to get into uh, tomorrow. Um, but for now, we want to switch over to Matt Gates. This is kind of an interesting um, Matt Gates uh, yesterday on the floor of the House, uh, basically calling for the vacate of Kevin McCarthy. It was big news. I rise to raise a question. What was the secret side deal on Ukraine? Once again, Ukraine. House Democrats and President Biden said that as Speaker McCarthy was asking Republicans to vote for a continuing resolution so as to avoid having to take the Senate's plus up in Ukraine money, that the Speaker of the House was actually cutting a side deal to bring Ukraine legislation to this floor with President Biden and House Democrats. So let me get this straight. To extend 
Joe Biden's spending and Joe Biden's policy priorities, the Speaker of the House gave away to Joe Biden the money for Ukraine that Joe Biden wanted. It is going to be difficult for my Republican friends to keep calling President Biden feeble while he continues to take Speaker McCarthy's lunch money in every negotiation. The Speaker of the House has responded to these reports of a secret side deal on money for Ukraine, opaquely stating that he still wants to fund Ukraine and our border. I have a few replies to this statement. First, the Speaker's statement confirms the existence of a secret deal. And I've talked to members of our own leadership who have said they didn't even know that Speaker McCarthy was negotiating a secret side deal outside of our conference, outside of his own leadership team, for the sake of Ukraine. Second, Ukraine has lost the support of a majority of the majority. The last time there was a freestanding Ukraine vote on this floor, it was last week. 101 Republicans voted for it. 117 Republicans voted against it. According to the Hastert rule, which Speaker McCarthy agreed to in January, you cannot use Democrats to roll a majority of the majority, certainly on something as consequential as Ukraine. So for all the crocodile tears about what may happen later this week about a motion to vacate, working with the Democrats is a yellow brick road that has been paved by Speaker McCarthy, whether it was the debt limit deal, the CR, or now the secret deal on Ukraine. For, or third, this is swampy log rolling. The American people deserve single subject bills. I get that a lot of folks might disagree with my perspectives on the border or on Ukraine, but can we at least agree that no matter how you feel about Ukraine or the southern border, they each deserve the dignity of their own consideration and should not be rolled together where they might pass where each individually wouldn't? This is what we're trying to get away from. This is the spirit of the January agreement we made with the Speaker. No more lashing these disparate issues together so that the American people's interests are subjugated here on the floor of the House. You know how we should stand up for our border? Demand that the United States State Senate take up our single-subject appropriation bill that funded the border. It created Republican unity. We voted for it. It has the policy demands that the continuing resolution that Speaker McCarthy advocated for on this floor did not. Our DHS funding bill requires you verify. And then hours later, after we passed that, the Speaker wanted us to vote for a continuing resolution that didn't include E-Verify. Retreat is never a strategy to win anything. So, Mr. Speaker, just tell us. Just tell us. What was in the secret Ukraine side deal? What commitments were made to, pre to President Biden to continue the spending of President Biden in exchange for doing things for President Biden. It is becoming increasingly clear who the Speaker of the House already works for, and it's not the Republican conference. Mr. Speaker, I would ask that these questions be answered soon, because there may be other votes coming today or later this week that uh, could, could be implicated by the answers to these questions. Members of the Republican Party might vote differently on a motion to vacate if they heard what the Speaker had to share with us about his secret side deal with Joe Biden. 
Yeah, well, that's true. And, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy has lied about J6 tapes. He's lied about um, these appropriation deals uh, that were put onto like a spending bill for the 45-day spending bill. He lied uh, and broke his promises that he made when the Freedom Caucus got together and decided to um, not block his speakership. They could have continued to block it. They said, okay, this is the deal. Don't break it. He broke it. He broke it again, and he broke it again. So he lied to the Freedom Caucus. He basically sold out to the uh, Uni Party. And now, you know, um, Matt Gates has made a play, and I don't think a lot of people are picking up on this play. But basically he's saying that whoever supports Kevin McCarthy owns whatever happens with Kevin McCarthy, knowing full well who the nominee is going to be, which is Donald Trump, knowing full well where the power structure is going, that's going to be with the Trump America First MAGA agenda in the Republican Party. The McRhinos are going to be completely irrelevant this time around. McConnell, McCarthy, McDaniels are all going to be out. They're going to be irrelevant. Even CPAC and the Schlapps of the world, Matt Schlapp, and all these critters are going to be irrelevant. And it's going to be power to the people. It's a populist movement. And they're going to demand the J. Where are the J six tapes? They're going to say, and they're going to say where is uh, the impeachment? Why are we not doing to Joe Biden what he deserves? And and what, how is it that we allowed ourselves to be steamrolled by Adam Schiff and company when Trump was in office? It's because they never really backed Trump. They smiled and said they did, like Paul Ryan lied when he was speaker in Trump's first two years. They lied and said everything's fine, hunky-dory. But they were lying. They're the liars, not Trump. They were the liars. Paul Ryan was the liar. And so it was Mitch McConnell, so was Kevin McCarthy. And so what... This is going to do is McCarthy's going to fold under pressure like a cheap suit. He is going to fold. He is going to bow to the pressures of the populist movement because he'll have no choice. And when he does, he's going to release the J6 tapes and he's going to push forward with impeachment inquiries and impeachment to save face to keep his promise and to bow to the pressures of the Trump movement heading into the 2024 election. And when he does, the left is going to come out with their usual, you know, partisan politics. Republicans are playing games. and We already know what their response is. If I, you know, um, if I throw my fist in your face, I know you're going to like flinch. I know you're going to duck. I know what your reaction is going to be. And so the point is, is that Matt, Matt, Ga- uh, Matt Gates knows what the Democrats' playbook is going to be. He knows how they're going to respond when Kevin McCarthy folds under pressure. And what he's trying to do 
is hang the McCarthy speakership around their neck like a noose and say, you can't say that the Republicans are playing partisan politics when you voted to keep the speakership in the hands of Kevin McCarthy to begin with. You had a choice and you chose not to make a change. And so this burden is on you. And that's exactly the play. And I think it's a brilliant play. A lot of people aren't getting that. They're not fully understanding that. And that's interesting. Well, here's Joe Biden and censorship. We can get into, well, you know what? The thing is, we can get into censorship. But let's see. I have a couple of things. We have, you know, we're very limited on time. I want you to hear this. This is kind of interesting. This is a short little clip. This is Barack Obama and Vivek Ramaswamy. Let's take a listen to how similar they sound. This is interesting. These are not Democrat ideas or Republican ideas. This is an American idea. These are fundamentally American ideals. Imagine (laughs) they were driving a car and and they... They drove it into the ditch. If somebody has repeatedly crashed your car, you can't have the keys back. Do you want to turn over the keys to the same people who crashed it? He said Russia in the 1980s or now. Is this weird or what? Ask for their foreign policy back. I have a newsflash. The USSR does not exist anymore. You know, the Cold War has been over for 20 years. It fell back in 1990. A skinny guy with a funny name. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name? But they sense deep in their bones. I believe deep in my bones. E pluribus unum. unum. Out of many, many, one. We are one people. I have a dream. That we can be one people again. That was interesting how he just sounded so similar to the last Manchurian candidate. Because a lot of people talk about Vivek Ramaswamy as being, you know, really a groomed World Economic Forum ambassador. I mean, how else did he make so much money in such a young life? I mean, I think I heard he's worth like $500 million, you know? Only globalists have access to that kind of bread. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. We have the music in the background there. But, uh, all right, so we have a lot more. Uh, I have a lot more of show to give you this week. I, I There's so much I want to share with you. Um, and we're going to do it tomorrow uh, in tomorrow's show. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Scott Adams Show, and be sure to check out megapack.org. Make a donation if you can to uh, keep this show, the Scott Adams Show, commercial-free, and uh, also use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. From a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.